noted author on matters of the spirit, Richard Foster once observed how the Bible often describes worship in physical terms. For example, the root meaning of the Hebrew word we translate as worship is actually to prostrate, to lie face down in honor of someone. The word bless literally means to kneel. Thanksgiving refers to an extension of the hand. Throughout scripture, we find a variety of physical postures in connection with worship. Lying prostrate, standing, kneeling, lifting the hands, clapping the hands, lifting the head, bowing the head, and dancing. The point, writes Foster, as we are to offer God our bodies as well as the rest of our being, worship is physical. This morning, although we are physically not together, I invite you to embrace the physical element of worship and perhaps to bow your head or to bend your knee before God during prayers, to clap your hands during a hymn, However and whatever draws you physically closer to God on this beautiful Sabbath morning. There are a few brief announcements to share. Lynn and I would like to personally thank everyone who has been a part of the mission and ministry of Mayflower these past 15 years. To facilitate that in the age of COVID, we invite you to drive by the front steps of the church during what we are calling Farewell on the front steps. To share a social distance moment together so we can express our heartfelt gratitude. The times are as following. Tomorrow from 11 a.m. to noon. Tuesday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And Wednesday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Please know the FFJ Christian Education Team at Mayflower has a wonderful summer program called Mayflower Rocks. There's more information in your news-to-use email. Also, we had a successful collection for our friends at New City Kids, providing items for their summer camp in a box. More information can be found in your news-to-use email and how you can help. And now, if you received our Friday email or you are on our homepage, I invite you to download our worship bulletin and to join me as we gather together to worship God. Our call to worship this morning is drawn from resources offered during Black History Month this past January from the United Church of Christ. In the beginning, before humans were formed and nature knew God's presence, the Spirit moved over the universe. As the psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. Then God created humans, women, and men, colorful, balanced, diverse, and the beauty of God's love filled the earth. Later, we were taught how to live our lives. As Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For until that day when 
the book of Revelations proclaims, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages stand before the throne of God. Until that day, indeed, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come, let us worship in soul, mind, and body. this morning are adapted from an African prayer book edited by Bishop Desmond Tutu. I invite you to join your hearts together with mine in prayer and let us pray. On your last days on earth, O Lord, you promised to leave us the Spirit as our teacher our comforter. We know it blows over this earth, but we confess. Often we don't understand where it asks us to go or what it invites us to do next. Some of us, O oh Lord, think of the Spirit as only wind or a feeling. But remind us this morning, the work of the Spirit is to fill our lives as breath fills our lungs with hope, grace, love as a means 
of transformation. So come, Spirit, we pray this morning, and transform our lives in these troubled times. May your Spirit guide us, teach us how to seek your will. May it bend us, humble us, so our pride, our ego, our fears might diminish, so we are able to notice and to assist with the sorrow, suffering, and pain that fills our world and our country at this time. Amen. first scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 10, verse 33 through chapter 11, verse 3. And listen now for God's word. See, the Lord, the Lord Almighty will lop off the boughs with great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Gracious Spirit, dwell with me. I myself would gracious be, and with words that help and heal, would thy life in mine reveal, 
affections bold and meek would for Christ my Savior seek. Truthful spirit dwell with me, I myself would truthful be, and with wisdom kind and clear, let thy life in mine Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 20. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogue. And everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, He found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and truthful spirit, as we come before your word this morning, let us make room in our hearts for your spirit to dwell. Give us the courage to move aside all that prevents your entry. And open our lives that we may reveal your spirit in our words and our deeds. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are words that shape the course of our lives. 
Four score and seven years ago, the fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. There are words that remind us who we are. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of humankind. And there are words that define the work which must be done. I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all are created equal. I suspect these words are familiar to you. Perhaps you even mouthed them while you heard me speak the lines delivered by President Lincoln at the battlefield outside Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. The words by President Kennedy at the Berlin Wall and the words spoken by the pastor and protester, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King at a march in Washington. Each of those speeches was offered at a decisive moment, attempting to strategically pivot a fight they appeared to be losing. The words reminded individuals, armies, and entire nations the parameters of the battle before them. They inspired a commitment to a cause much greater than their own lives, one that would benefit generations to come. The words you just heard Mark read from the prophet Isaiah played a similar role for the people of Israel. Walter Brueggemann, one of the world's most foremost biblical scholars, tells us the historical references are elusive. It's difficult to determine the context, the exact battle of which Isaiah speaks. But Brueggemann warns the reader not to get lost in the pursuit of details. They may not be so important. It may just be, he argues, that the backdrop of weariness and hopelessness and failure is all we need to know. It could be the case that all we need
need to know that is that a word of hope, a promise of new life, had to be heard. Isaiah employs poetry to describe Israel's sense of futility. He compares it to a stump, a haunting remnant of the quick and decisive work of an axe. He compares it to a mocking clue of a space that once hosted life. A stump. And it is in that very place of dissolution and despair that they must watch for a sprout, a shoot of new life to appear. Many in Israel interpreted this shoot, this sprout, as a new leader who would rise up and never again let the people of God be put in such a precarious and vulnerable position. All nations would recognize this person because the Spirit of God would be upon him. This leader would be full of wisdom and understanding. This leader would, be, would rule with good counsel and might. This leader would be led by the Spirit, demonstrating a knowledge which comes from the fear of the Lord. This leader would live a life that delights, finds joy in the presence of of the Lord. You might recognize these words from our Advent and Christmas services. Christians have interpreted this scripture as pointing towards Jesus. In the words we heard Mark read, Luke tells us that Jesus went to Galilee in the power of that same spirit. As he stood with the men who formed a quorum in the synagogue that day, he unfurled the scroll to the words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he looked each person in the eye, challenging them to see that same truth. Last Sunday, we began a new series, Full Sails on how the Spirit leads us forward. For the month of June, we will consider together what the Bible teaches us about the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit and how such an understanding might move us forward in our spiritual lives and, more importantly, as a nation and a world in crisis. Mark encouraged us to choose to open ourselves to the Spirit's leading and to work with all our resolve and grit, our hands and our voices, so something new and of the Spirit can be born in our hurting world. Today, we consider who might be called to work in the power of the Spirit And what that work might look like. On August 28, 2005, almost 15 years ago, this congregation called Mark Barger Elliott to serve as your senior pastor. Five years later, you asked me to serve as your associate pastor 
first as an interim and then as installed. I don't have the exact numbers, but over those 15 years, I estimate that we baptized about 150 babies, children, and adults. And we taught 15 confirmation classes and confirmed close to 250 eighth graders. I bring this up because the prayer that we say at each baptism and over every eighth grader who kneels before this congregation for their confirmation is the prayer we hear in the Isaiah passage. O Lord, give to Ryan, to Molly, to Jack, to Julia, to Benjamin, to Sophia. Give to him or her the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence today and forevermore. I don't know if I've ever made the connection before that the words of Isaiah that he offers to identify the coming of the Messiah, the entry of the Spirit of God into the world, the sprout of new life, the shoot of hope. Those words are the same words each of us receives in our baptism and our confirmation. What does this tell us? I hear three truths. First, we love baptizing babies here at Mayflower. We reserve these front few pews for your families and friends. We invite parents and godparents to stand before us on these steps so each one of us can best see this new life, our newest member. And after we baptize, we welcome each new member by walking down the center aisle. We wave and we smile and we sing, welcoming this new member. Confirmation is a pretty big deal here, too. Our youth get dressed up in new jackets and shoes and jewelry. Parents and grandparents, friends and neighbors come to celebrate. We first enjoy a catered breakfast. We read statements of faith, and then we enjoy a ritual during our service. We call each confirmand by name to these front steps. We ask them to kneel before the congregation, and we offer three gifts. The words of the prayer we hear in Isaiah. A new Bible and a verse that is selected specifically for him or her. And while it is true that baptism and confirmation are days of celebration, of festive affirmation that God is good and we belong to the family of God, the words of our prayer hearken another truth. They remind us that in the backdrop of all that we celebrate, we still find divisions. We still suffer from cancer and a virus. 
Our world is still scarred with hatred and racism. And we still meet failures and disappointments. They don't go away. In fact, Scripture doesn't promise that they will in this earthly life anyway. There will still be days, perhaps even weeks and months, when we live lives that feel like that stump, cut off from the vitality and life we once enjoyed. But we watch, and we stand in the promise of that new sprout, that shoot of fresh hope. The second truth I hear in these words is that it it is tempting to think that they are exclusively about Jesus or that they must announce the coming of a Messiah or a new leader or a legendary hero who will put an end to all the wars and deliver us out of the turmoils we are experiencing. I'm not sure when or who decided to put those words as part of our baptism liturgy. But their mere presence there prohibits us from thinking this way. The placement of this prayer at our baptism and confirmation, the entry points of our journey of faith, is a clear announcement that from the beginning, rooted in our baptism, is the truth that the Spirit rests upon each and every one of us. So speaking from wisdom and understanding, bringing strong counsel, demonstrating a life of joy, is the work of each and every one of us. The third truth I hear in this prayer is that much like the speeches of Lincoln and Kennedy and King, these are words that pivot and shape our lives. They remind us of what we fight for. They reset our priorities. They focus our energies for each new day. They return us to the source of our wisdom, our strength, and our hope. So what does this look like, this life in the power of the Spirit? Jesus told the men in the synagogue that day, It would look like proclaiming good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free. Over these past 15 years, I've seen in the members of this congregation what it looks like to live as if the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. You have built 
three habitat houses and rehabbed 18 mobile homes so that 21 families in Kent County who once were homeless now have a home. You have provided a spiritual home for a Sudanese congregation. You provided housing and meals and conversation and support for over 300 homeless families in our IHN program. You have supported hundreds of children who learned how to love and to serve Jesus through our music, our children's, and our youth ministries. You have provided fellowship and a sense of belonging in our 29, 49, and 69 up groups. Every week, you send cards to those who are sick, those who mourn, and you visit the shut-in. These past few months have created new challenges for our congregation. How can we be the body of Christ when we are not physically together? But the Spirit has rested upon you, and you have called to check in on each other. You have met for Zoom Bible studies or just to gather on a screen. You have live streamed worshiped with us. You have prayed for each other as well as the many names on our prayer list. You have generously supported the work and the ministry of this congregation with your financial gifts. You have dropped off bags of groceries to stock pantries for families in need. You have donated school supplies for New City kids as they prepare for summer programs. You have dropped painted rocks with inspiring words at our Mayflower Rock Garden on our front lawn. This will be my last Sunday in this pulpit. Over the last 15 years, we've had much, much to celebrate. Yet we all know there is work left to do. There are battles yet to fight. And so I offer to you this prayer. May it remind you who you are. And may it shape your days and reset your hearts for the work ahead. And now, may the Lord uphold each of us by the Holy Spirit. Give to us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence both now and forevermore. Amen. Put peace into each other's hands. I was so glad when Scott suggested that, this piece for today. The tune you may recognize, St. Columba, 
we usually sing it to the words, the king of love my shepherd is, a setting of Psalm 23. But these strong words by Fred Kahn, written in 1989, put each of us squarely in the role of peacemakers. Fred Kahn wrote more than 200 hymns translated in over 15 languages. He has given the church a song of hope and peace to sustain and motivate us through difficult times. Born in the Netherlands in 1929, his worldview was deeply shaped by his experience of the Nazi occupation when he was a teenager. If we look at these words, put peace into each other's hands, it's an action. And the words tell us to treasure, to protect, to be gentle in our words and deeds, to look people warmly in the eye. And finally, in the last, per, in the last verse, put Christ into each other's hands and give peace a chance. Written more than 40 years ago, these words are still relevant and speak to us today. It is rare indeed that people give, observed author James Baldwin. Most people guard and keep. They suppose that it is they themselves and what they identify with themselves that they are guarding and keeping. But what Winston Churchill once observed is we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. If you are following the online bulletin, know that you can click a link to give. You can choose to give by clicking that donate button. If you prefer, we have a mailbox under our portico. You can give via text. So as we await that day when once again the ushers will wait upon us for the morning offering, in our online world, the church asks for your help so that we might serve each other. We are grateful for your generosity.
Let us pray. We long, O Lord, for the time when, as Jesus taught, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. Until that time, O Lord, we offer our treasure and our hearts to you. May they be used, we pray, to pass onto our hurting world the promise of hope, the power of faith, and the resilience of love. Amen. morning's prayers, as I mentioned before, are adapted from prayers found in an African prayer book edited by Bishop Desmond Tutu. So come, let us pray. We acknowledge, O Lord, the presence of Christ amongst us this day who reconciled the world. Yes, we confess at times we have struggled against one another. But help us now, we pray, to become reconciled to struggle for one another. 
At times we believed it was right to withstand one another. Now help us to be reconciled to understand one another. We confess we have tolerated the power of violence. Help us, we pray, to be reconciled to the power of tolerance. We have built irreconcilable barriers between us. Now help us to build a society of reconciliation. We have suffered a separateness that did not work. Now we pray to be reconciled in order to make togetherness work. We believed at times, O Lord, that we alone held the truth. Now we are suddenly aware once again it is truth that holds us. For while some of us have tried to frighten others into submission. Now we pray, help us to lift each other into fulfillment. Hear our prayers. Lord, this morning we hear in our world the wailing and crying, the sighing and the groaning for wholeness. History teaches that this is and will always be an arduous and difficult journey. But, O oh Lord, we know it is you and the Spirit who gives us the strength to sustain our will and our progress to make ourselves and our society, our country, our world whole. For this morning, O Lord, our spirits do cry out for the well-being of the whole human family, black and white rich and poor, congregational and Catholic, Buddhist and Muslim, your word teaches we are all parts of each other, created in your image. 
So we pray we might be folded into the fullness of life together. Together with the sick and the strong, the isolated and the social, the outcast and the privileged, the wounded and the grieving, and all who feel broken in our world this day. May we come to realize, O Lord, that our wholeness is intertwined with each other. And so we pray that working alongside the Christ, we might see and feel the suffering of others, those who are sick and fearful of COVID, those whose lives are torn apart by racism and violence. Give us the strength and the wisdom to make each of us whole. Hear our prayer. O Lord, our prayers arise unto you. O Spirit of the Lord, draw near, dwell within our hearts, we pray. O Lord, our prayers arise unto you. Our spirits do cry out for the well-being of the whole human family, especially for all those who feel broken in our world this day. Dwell within our hearts, we Now I invite you to join together your hearts with mine as we pray the prayer that our Savior taught, saying with one voice, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This word is for 